Group Experience is a new and refreshing way for you, your friends, or your family to travel. Check the show notes to learn more. What's going on? This is Stevie G, and you are listening to DBE, the podcast that is designed for students of travel. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Make sure to go check out Destinations Beyond Expectations on Facebook and Instagram. You can also check out the website, dbetravel.com, which has a list of all the episodes ever recorded, a button that makes it easy to get to the show's Patreon page, and so much more. No matter where you're listening, make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, and if you can, please rate and review. That really helps this show reach more students of travel. A few weeks back, we covered the Cowboys, Indians, and all that jazz itinerary, and broke it down state by state. Now we're putting it all together. This week, we talked to destination pros from Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana in one special episode that showcases the entire Cowboys, Indians, and all that jazz itinerary. In the show notes, you'll find the entire itinerary so you can follow along as you listen. So let's get to it. Here's Cowboys, Indians, and all that jazz from start to finish. Uh, The first bullet point here says, Welcome to Grapevine, the host uh, city to the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. I bet like people don't know that, right? That Grapevine is actually the home of the airport. Can you tell me a little bit about the airport? My first guest is Heather Egan, and she's going to help us learn all about Grapevine. It's a huge hub for, of course, American Airlines, um, huge international hub, a great gateway city. And you're right, uh, most people do not realize that Grapevine is the host to DFW Airport. And then you have Dallas and Fort Worth on either side, and they're each about 30 minutes. So um, very convenient, great location here, and uh, tons of flights to choose from every single day. It's easy to get to DFW, where uh, Grapevine is no more than four hours away by air to anywhere in the United States. Um, for someone that's never been to Grapevine, what like what is historic, the, the downtown area like? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? It's definitely a charming community. We have the original brick on all the buildings. Um, You'll see a lot of the the historic buildings that were originally here, that were originally grocery stores, or um, the the Palace Theater is the original movie theater that was built here in the 1940s. And uh, we have a Torian Log Cabin, which was built and lived in until about the 1940s, 1950s. And we've kept it, restored it, and have it so people can see how the early settlers lived here in Grapevine. So you can really explore up and down Main Street. Inside those historic buildings, we have local boutiques that you can explore, uh, local restaurants, cafes, bistros, as we like to call them, winery tasting rooms, which of course are very popular here in Grapevine, uh, galleries and live artisans, so all sorts of activities to take place or you can uh, visit, I guess, and watch them actually doing artwork. Um, so yeah, all sorts of things that go on. We have our own historic train that runs through historic downtown Grapevine over to the Fort Worth Stockyards. Um, you have a glockenspiel down here. So there's a lot of fun things to experience in historic downtown Grapevine. It's, it's like going back into time into the uh, 19th century grapevine. And all the people you'll meet down here are super friendly, 
Uh, they're excited to welcome visitors and tourists to Grapevine and love to show off our town. Day two. I always encourage your first stop. So when you, uh, at the beginning of any tour in Grapevine, try to do a tour of historic downtown Grapevine. Uh, get out and explore Main Street. There's so much history down there. Bonnie and Clyde are from this area. Uh, there's the bank on Main Street, which is now a jewelry store that they robbed. You can find history there. You can learn about the early settlers who came to Grapevine. Uh, there's art sculptures that help tell the story of Grapevine. So I think it makes you appreciate Grapevine all the more. And we can even get you notes to do your own self-guided tour if you wanted to do a walking tour of Main Street and experience that. Um, and so I think it makes it even more enjoyable when you go into any of the restaurants or cafes or the shops, because then you really see kind of the history and how it all ties in. And starting your day, just a few you know, thoughts uh, on Main Street, if you're looking for a place for breakfast, your Main Street Bistro, uh, is a great place to go. Uh, the owner is actually, uh, Fabien is from France. And so it's a French bistro that we have here. So a great place to get some breakfast or a croissant, um, explore Main Street, do a little shopping, visit the Artisans District and see glass blowing, bronze sculpting, you know, visit any of the artisans and maybe even schedule your own lesson while you're there. And uh, be sure and see the glockenspiel as well while you're there. We have the only, actually the tallest glockenspiel in the United States. And it features what we call the would-be train robbers, Nat and Willie. And they argue over who's going to rob the train, how they're going to divide the money. And it ends in an old-fashioned shootout. Well, after exploring downtown a little bit, uh, taking in the historic downtown area, uh, the itinerary goes on to talk about the historic Fort Worth stockyards. Can you maybe give a little more insight on on what the stockyards are and, and kind of what they're like? Well, with the, uh, you know, the title of this itinerary being Cowboys, Indians and all that jazz and our Texas portion really highlighting the Cowboys, a tour isn't complete without visiting the historic stockyards. The Grapevine Vintage Railroad runs between Grapevine and the Fort Worth stockyards. That is a great way to travel over there. Our, the cars are from the 1920s. So it really gives you the idea of travel back in the Old West. So that's a fun way to get over there and kind of start your day. And once you get to the stockyards, you'll see uh, that's really where, of course, the original stockyards were and where they used to bring the cattle and do all the trade and everything. So you will see the they've really taken that historic area and they've turned it into museums that talk about cowboy heritage. They've got... Um, shops, Western shops and saloons that you can visit. The world's largest honky tonk is over there, Billy Bob's. You've got the Cowtown Coliseum where you can see the rodeo on Friday and Saturday nights. So, and uh, they do a twice daily cattle drive down Exchange Avenue. So you can actually see cowboys on horseback herding the cattle uh, down the street. So you really get that old West experience. Now, on day number three, your first bullet point says, start your morning with shopping at Grapevine Mills Mall, North Texas's largest outlet shopping destination with 180 uh, plus stores. And they have a Sea Life Grapevine Aquarium, Legoland, Discovery Center, Peppa Pig World of Play, and more. Um, this sounds like a, a pretty big shopping area, huh? It really is. Uh, 
really is. A matter of fact, if you walked the entire mall, it'll be a mile. So they've got a little bit of both um, outlets as well as regular shops, and it is considered North Texas' largest outlet mall. Uh, we figure if you're going to be, you want to dress the part of as a cowboy, this is a great place to go and uh, get your boots, get some shirts, get those last minute things you may need, some jeans, and uh, that way you'll be ready to leave all dressed up and you can now be a cowboy or cowgirl and represent the state of Texas. They've also got uh, lots of attractions, as we mentioned there. A sea Life Aquarium is actually the uh, they are well known for, of course, Texas, I guess I should say, South Padre Island, um, you know, they're known for the sea turtles. And so being here in Texas, our sea life actually has a sea turtle rescue center in it. So you can learn all about how they, when a turtle is sick or if they find injured down on the coast, they will bring it up to our sea life where we will nurse it back to health and then eventually release it back again. And so you can learn all about that Legoland Discovery Center, of course, if you have young kids, uh, that is a great uh, fun attraction as well. And Peppa Pig World of Play is another popular one for the little kids. We also have uh, one of the top 100 escape rooms at Grapevine Mills. And uh, there's another attraction where you can do glow-in-the-dark golf. So lots of fun things you can do at Grapevine Mills. Well, we have one more stop before uh, we make our way to Oklahoma. And that is a stop at the South Fork Ranch made famous by the Ewing family in the television series Dallas. Lunch can be enjoyed here before hitting the road for Oklahoma. So tell me a little more, uh, a little bit more about the South Fork Ranch. Well, it is famous from the TV show Dallas. And uh, so it is where they filmed the TV show. So you can go and see how uh, J.R. Ewing and uh, that family all lived there on their ranch. It's really interesting to see all the tricks that they did. Um, for example, the uh, the driveway, they make it seem so long when you're actually watching the TV show, like they drive forever. And so they, they happen to mention that they show the same kind of scene over and over again to make it seem really long. Or the pool, uh, the pool looks huge because you used to see Bobby swimming laps in the pool. And it's actually a fairly small pool. And I guess they would put him on a bungee and he more or less swam in place, but it made it look like he was swimming less. So uh, very interesting things that you can experience there. You could also do a chuck wagon dinner um, if you wanted to add some things on or lunch. They do guided tours, lots of different entertaining activities to learn about the Ewings and South Fork Ranch. After enjoying our time in Texas, we are now off to Oklahoma. Todd Stahlbomber from Oklahoma Tourism and Sandy Price from the OKC Convention and Visitors Bureau join the show to tell us what we can expect on the Oklahoma section of the itinerary. Um, so our first stop is at the Chickasaw Cultural Center in Sulphur, Oklahoma, and that has the Spirit Forest. Can you guys maybe uh, give me some insight? What is the Chickasaw Cultural Center? And tell me a little bit about the Spirit Forest. Sure. So Chickasaw Cultural Center, like you said, is, is based in Sulphur, Oklahoma, in the south central portion of the state. Uh, it's about 100 acres, 110 acre campus uh, with multiple structures on the, on the campus itself, um, where you can actually have the restaurant experience and have a traditional lunch or, or meal there or just do a tasting of some of the things that the Chickasaws would have had, like Indian taco or grape dumplings. Um, then there also is a dance circle. 
Uh, so a lot of open air facilities throughout the cultural center as well. So they do dance demonstrations, uh, weather permitting outside. If they're not available uh, because of weather, they can move those inside uh, for the group's experience to have a traditional dance demonstration. Uh, they also have a traditional village that is set up at the base of the, of the hill, just on the edge of the Chickasaw National Recreation Area. And there you can experience the summer house, a winter house, um, different types of tribal things that would have been happening there as far as if the gardens are in season, the type of plants are available, the stickball courts, the, the mound. Um, and then up at the top of the hill um, in one of the facilities is the actual display of history and culture. And there's actually some language things that you can interact with, which part of that is the spirit forest. And it's a walkthrough forest um, with static displays of a lot of the animals and things you would see, the climate changes as the day changes. So you're going to go through an entire 365 days over several hours if you're there, but not particularly going to be there that long. But you will experience change in day while you're inside. Um, there's speaking parts that the animals will tell you traditional stories. Um, and it may be the story of the turtle or it may be the story of the little people. Um, it could be the water actually giving you a story about the, the success and the, the needs and facilitation of water within the cultural um, aspects of the Chickasaws as well. That's fantastic. Now, when, when I think of Oklahoma, I have to be honest, I don't think of chocolate. That's just, I don't know, just doesn't come to mind, I guess, right away. But here in the itinerary, and I don't want to mispronounce this, so you'll have to help me with this, but there is a fine chocolate uh, place that you can visit. And it's the only Native American-owned chocolate company in the world. Can you help me out with that pronunciation of that uh, fine chocolate uh, store? And tell me a little bit about it. It's Bedre. So Bedre Chocolate, um, like the only Native-owned chocolate company in the world. Um, Some of the famous things they're known for are chocolate-covered potato chips, um, chocolate-drizzled popcorn, um, melts, chocolate melts, so like little toffees and things like that. They are, It is a production facility on site with a glass barrier. So if production is going on while you're in the gift shop, you can see the chocolates actually being made there. Day four. Uh, so day four kicks off by trotting over to Remington Park Racing and Casino for a stable tour and to see the workings of an active quarter and thoroughbred horse track. Uh, I mean, tell me a little more about the Remington Park Racing and Casino. Well, it probably has one of the large, longest uh, racing seasons of any racetrack. So they run both a, a quarter horse season and a thoroughbred season. And the quarter horse season is mid-March through uh, the latter part of May. And then thoroughbred season will pick up in mid-August and run through mid-December. A lot of fine dining at Remington Park, and as well, they can do uh, food demonstrations. You can do beer tastings uh, with your group. You can do a barbecue dinner demonstration, and they just they just offer all kinds of cuisine there. Now, one thing about the stable tour, you have to uh, schedule it at certain times because uh, the horses nap, um, so you can't tour the the stables when the horses are napping. But uh, it really is amazing the setup back behind the racetrack and it's something that people who enjoy racing really should see the behind the scenes. 
That sounds incredibly, incredibly unique. Um, one other unique stop, I guess, in Oklahoma City, uh, one of many unique stops, but it's next on our itinerary, is the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. What, what might you find there, Sandy? Well, you will find amazing Western art, one of the, the most expensive collections of Western art in the world. But you also have wonderful historical galleries. You have the Native American Gallery. You have the Rodeo Hall of Fame. So there's a rodeo gallery with the replica 1930s rodeo arena, where you can see video of all of the rodeo events and learn a little something about them. You have a gallery for uh, Cowboys of the Silver Screen. So you've got some John Wayne, some Big Valley, uh, even up to the more current cowboy Western movies that are shot. There's also a little theater in there that is uh, where you can sit down and listen to a little bit of the history of Cowboys and the Silver Screen. And then there's a new addition they opened uh, this last summer, and it's called Licho Koshkimo, and it's Chickasaw for Let's Play. In, in the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, they have a Western town called Prosperity Junction. It has 17 life-size turn-of-the-century buildings you can walk through. Um, most of them you can walk into. And they took that uh, Western Village and opened it to the outside grounds and through a general store. And then they have seven Native American dwellings out on the, the lawn with um, history and history of the tribes and the dwellings. Those seven western or those seven indian dwellings are not oklahoma tribes the national cowboy and western heritage museum is sponsored by the 17 western states so those dwellings cover the 17 western states and it's not just an, an oklahoma museum the tragic oklahoma city bombing took place in 1995 and the city has a memorial and museum to help give visitors perspective and understanding of this event they have a beautiful outdoor memorial that is open 24 hours a day and is um, managed by park rangers. But then they have a wonderful museum that just walks you through a day like any other day, through the event, through the rescue effort, um, legislation that was changed, uh, and where we've gone from there. And it's told in chapters. Then after the federal government was able to turn loose of all of the uh, trial memorabilia, they turned it over to the museum. And so, so now they have a, a wonderful, a, a really interesting story to tell about the trial and, and how they captured Timothy McVeigh as quick as they did. And and how they brought him to justice. And it was all of the, the organizations working together, the states working with the federal government and, and just everyone came together in one effort. Um, some of the th new things that they offer now for, for groups is a first person story, which is really, really emotional because they bring in a first responder, a survivor or a family member. And they let them tell their story of how it affected their life, but also how they have gone on with their life and the changes it's made. And it's, it's really an impactful statement for them. Um, I know the first American Museum was supposed to open in spring of 2021. I don't know if it has or hasn't. You guys can let me know with all the difficulties we've faced in this last year of COVID. Um, but tell me a little bit about the first Americans Museum. Well, it's opening September 18th 
of 2021. COVID did push it back a little bit. Uh, some of that what had to do with the Smithsonian able to get exhibits to Oklahoma City. Um, but it is, they like to say many nations, one place. So it, it is focused on all the 39 tribes in Oklahoma. And it is actually the first time they've been able to tell their story in their words, the way they want to tell it. Um, so it's a, it's a great opportunity for the tribes. It's a great, great thing for the state of Oklahoma. And we're just very fortunate that it's in Oklahoma City. One of the galleries that they are opening is called Homecoming, and they have gone to the Smithsonian and borrowed back some of their um, artifacts. And when they display them, the way they want to display them is they tell the story, not just display an artifact uh, that's wonderful and beautiful and historical, but tell the story because every Everything that the tribes or the nations do has a story behind it and a history behind it. And that sometimes gets lost in the beauty of the artifacts. So they have an opportunity to do that. Um, sits on 100 acres uh, that will be developed around it, but it has large outdoor area where they can do many demonstrations and, and really just, just bring people into their culture and their world and tell their story. Beautiful. So after a, a full afternoon of learning about cowboys, Native Americans, um, taking some time to reflect, it's time for an evening event. And it says on the itinerary, this evening, experience dinner and a canal ride through Bricktown, the Southwest's fastest growing entertainment district, uh, boosting over 50 eateries and neighborhoods. Uh, tell me a little bit about Bricktown. Well, Bricktown's the old warehouse district in Oklahoma City and sat uh, in total disrepair for years. And some gentlemen just decided to, to bring it back to life. I mean, the buildings that red brick last a long time. So they started developing it. And uh, we had a program called MAPS, which is Metropolitan Area Projects. And one of them was, was to revitalize Bricktown. We built a new AAA baseball park there. Um, and we built a mile-long canal with water taxis. And the water taxi drivers give you a great history of the area as you ride it through. There are restaurants lined along the canal as well as about a four or five square block area around it. So it's a lot of options. It's a compact area that's easy to walk. And then some entertainment in there with the um, canal and the baseball park and a movie theater and some things like that. So we, we now have a new trolley system that runs downtown about four and a half miles uh, and into our little pocket neighborhoods that all have their own personality and also runs through Bricktown. Awesome. And after a full day, uh, it's been pretty jam-packed so far, but you know, if you still have some energy left in your day, you can continue uh, with some gaming time at Remington Park. Well, that's the racetrack. So they have lights on it. So we do race in the evening. But then they have a casino um, in, on, in the north end of the racetrack that is also open at night. So you, And it is race, the racing and the casino are all free and open to the public. And they have entertainment in the casino also. So it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice way to wind down at the end of the evening and maybe, you know, take home a little extra pocket money. Perfect. Well, let's jump to day number five. 
Um, day five starts uh, with breakfast in the historic Stockyards city and a tour of the National Stockyards Exchange. What's this experience like? It's um, it's a very unique, real cultural experience in that you can walk the, the catwalk up over the cattle pens and into the auction barn and watch them auction a, a herd of cattle before I can even count how many are in it. Um, and it's, it's really entertaining. The auctioneers are very entertaining and it, it's a real experience. And there's also, a, you know, Cattlemen's is in the stockyards. There's Rodeo Opry, which has really good country western entertainment every Saturday night. And then another restaurant called McClintock's, which is a, a, um, an evening restaurant uh, in Bricktown. So you have a couple of options for dining also. So after a really great time in Oklahoma City, it looks like we're on the way to Durant. And on the itinerary, it says, you know, take a stop for lunch at Blake Shelton's Old Red. Um, tell me about uh, Blake Shelton's Old Red. What kind of food might you find there? So you're headed back south and into Tishomingo. And this Old Red is the original Honky Tonk that Blake has opened. I know there's some other locations, but this is in his hometown. And some of the favorites that you're going to find really good comfort food. You're going to find that chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and gravy, you know, a half pound burger with fries, some amazing desserts. Um, usually there's, um, depending on the time of day you're there, there's entertainment available as well. And they've expanded it also. So there's the extra seating area. Um, it's, it's a pretty small facility to begin with, but with the expansion, things are really opened up. And right next door, you can stop into his mom's store where she does repurposed uh, materials and clothing and all kinds of things. So right there on site, if, if you get a chance, you know, sometimes you get a little brush with, with the famous part of Blake Shelton through his mother. At the top of the itinerary, we visited the Chickasaw Cultural Center. Um, but as we mentioned, you know, each Native American branch is different. And there's the Choctaw Cultural Center. Um, tell me a little bit about the Choctaw Cultural Center. Um, what might you get to experience there? Sure. So the, that's one of the beautiful things with the, the First American Museum in Oklahoma City is it gives you a little taste of the 39 tribes that are headquartered in the state of Oklahoma. And then if you want, you can go out into the actual areas where these tribes territories are or their jurisdictions are. Um little bit of difference in the terminology of reservation and things like that. You don't go out onto the housing and things that you necessarily see and what people would typically experience at a reservation. So it's very integrated community. Um, but the Choctaw Cultural Center is the newest cultural center represented by any single tribe in the state. And they go through a lot of storytelling and they the turtle guides you in part of the area. But it kind of, you can compare and contrast some of the tribes that are here in the state with the, at one time, the Chickasaw and Choctaw were one tribe and they actually split and they, both the cultural centers talk about the story and also kind of why those stories split apart and being able to see the Chickasaws retain these part of their culture, the Choctaws retain their part of the culture, some of it's shared and some of it's very unique to each individual. So it does give you at least that comparison uh, when you start realizing that really all of these tribes are different. After learning about Native American history and discovering all the neat things to do in Oklahoma, we're off to Louisiana. 
Our day continues in Shreveport, where I'm joined by Erica Telsey from the Shreveport Bossier Convention and Tourism Bureau. Later, I'll also speak with Kathy Carter to learn about Alexandria, Louisiana, and Tutran to talk about some things to do around New Orleans. Can you maybe give me some more insight and, and tell me more about the East Bank District and Plaza? Sure. So um, the East Bank District is located in downtown Bossier City. And over the last few years, they have really revitalized that area. Um, there's always been local businesses in that area. Um, we've had an Italian restaurant that's been there for many, many years. And um, here recently, we've had some great people to come in um, and and just liven it up a bit. Um, so like you said, there is a brewery, the only brewery that's located in Bossier City, um, which is Flying Heart Brewing um, and Pub. And that is actually a an old fire station. So it has a lot of character and it's a lot of fun and they do offer food there as well. Um, and across the street, we have um, sort of like a festival area. So your group can go or visitors can go and um, enjoy farmer's market, live entertainment. Um, and that, that area is just real lively. Um, and what's cool is, you know, everything is located right by the Louisiana Boardwalk outlets, and then you have several hotels there as well. Um, can you maybe talk about, you know, the, the shops and the outlets um, and maybe give some options on hotels that if people are looking to stay the night that they can choose from? Absolutely. So the East Bank District is located, um, you know, within just a few feet from, first of all, Horseshoe Casino and, and Hotel. Um, Shreveport and Bossier, we have five casino uh, properties here. Um, Horseshoe is one of the first ones that ever made it to Shreveport when uh, we brought gaming to the state. Um, and right next door is the Louisiana Boardwalk. And Louisiana Boardwalk has um, all types of shopping. Um, there's a chocolate shop. Uh, there's vast pro shops uh, there. So, you know, for those that love the outdoor adventure, um, they want to go check out some nice apparel or if they want to go buy a boat or whatever, they can go over to the Bass pro shops. Um, but again, there's a lot of restaurants. There's a carousel. Um, we have several new properties that have come up in that area. Um, Residence Inn by Marriott is one of the newest. Um, and on the same grounds as the Louisiana Boardwalk is also Margaritaville uh, Casino and Resort, which is our um, newest casino that is to the Shreveport Bossier area. Um, so again, within walking distance, they can go and um, shop at the Boardwalk, walk over to the casino, game a bit, um, and have a good time. And I'm, I want to add as well, at the Boardwalk, there is a movie theater that's there. So um, you can grab a movie, you can grab cocktails, and you can do some great, great shopping. Perfect. So after a full day five of traveling to Louisiana and finally arriving, um, there's no shortage of things to do. We're going to hit a hotel and call that a day. So let's move on to day number six. Day six. Day six starts uh, in the swampy bayou country on the beautiful Caddo Lake. So Shreveport Bossier is known as sportsman's paradise. So you will get a very scenic feel. Um, you know, you can kayak, you can fish. We do have uh, private fishing guides who can take you on a, a guided fishing tour. Um, and it's just so serene. Like I can literally go out there and spend the afternoon. Um, but 
so yeah there's all types of outdoor uh, adventures that you can do out on Kettle Lake very fun so after you know getting an outdoor experience maybe seeing a gator there on Caddo Lake um, before we head south uh, I think we should stop by the Shreveport Municipal Auditorium to kind of give that a tour what what might I find in the Shreveport Municipal Auditorium so the, the Shreveport Municipal Auditorium is our claim to fame um, music is the universal language it's our love language we love a chance to get together and enjoy some great music well the one thing unique about the Municipal Auditorium is um, it's where Elvis Presley got his start so when the Grand Ole Opry turned Elvis down, he came and performed um, at the Municipal, which was then known as the Louisiana Hayride, uh, which was a live radio broadcast show, uh, much like American Idol. So you would go and you would perform. Um, if you got a standing ovation, you were asked to come back and do another set. Well, let's just say everybody loved Elvis. So um, when you go to the Municipal Auditorium, um, if available, you could do a backstage tour and walk the very stage that Elvis performed on. But not only Elvis, other great country and Western artists like Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, Kitty Wells, so many of our great country and Western um, performers and singers actually got their start on Louisiana Hayride. So just being able to go there, go backstage, tour the dressing uh, room and hear the stories of the hayride is just an amazing experience. Um, so at the Municipal Auditorium, not only can you get the musical tour, but you can actually get a history uh, tour as well. And they even do haunted tours. So it's really exciting to go into the auditorium at night and hear all the great ghost stories. Um, and across the street is uh, the James Burton Foundation. And James Burton was Elvis Presley's uh, lead guitarist for many years. And he's very well known internationally. And still to this day, he's often out on tour. But if you're in town and you're going over to the municipal, we always encourage people to walk across the street and go and tour James Burton's foundations. Um, he has an amazing collection of guitars. And just seeing all the memorabilia from the Hayride days um, is always exciting as well. Well, let's shift gears a little bit here. Um, from Shreveport, we're going to travel one hour and 45 minutes to Alexandria. Um, here, history comes to life at the Kent Plantation House, a pristine example of French Creole architecture and the oldest structure standing in central Louisiana. Uh, Kathy, can you actually tell me a little more about the Kent Plantation House? Uh, what's that experience like for, for any visitor? It is an amazing experience. They take you through each individual building and they have like a open hearse cooking at times. And then they have, um, I know every year they'll have sugar day and they'll actually have, you know, someone there showing how they make the sugar. It's recreated with like an actual sugar meal and then they'll have crafts and music and food at that time. But they have, as you go through, they will have someone tell the story of the different pieces that are throughout the buildings. It's a very, very neat experience. I've, I've been through it several times and every time there's something new. Awesome. Now, the next stop on the itinerary, the Lloyd Hall Plantation, is currently not operating. Um, but, of course, there's many, many great alternatives. And I know one thing that, you know, is Alexandria is known for is their zoo. Can you tell me a little bit more about the zoo? Oh, I love our zoo. It is amazing. Um, it's been open since 1922. They have several, several different exhibits, and they're always working on different exhibits. I know they have the Louisiana Habitat, which covers 
about three and a half acres, and it features flora and fauna, architecture, industry, and culture of Louisiana. It has marshes and swamps, and I mean, there's cougars and otters and black bears. And they recently had three little river otter pups that were born in mid-March. So that's really cool because we follow them on Facebook, and they're always posting little videos of them, and they're just adorable. From Alexandria, we're going to continue on to New Orleans, which is about three hours and 15 minutes. There is plenty of hotel options, so we're going to grab a hotel and call that a day. Day seven. Um, We start in New Orleans. Uh, We get our first taste of the Big Easy bright and early with uh, a stop at the Café du Monde. Uh, Two, can you tell me about the Café du Monde, please? Sure, absolutely. Um, So the original Café du Monde coffee stand was established in 1862 in the French market. Um, The café is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, So the menu, it's a very simple menu. It consists of dark roasted coffee, chicory, beignets, white and chocolate milk, and fresh squeezed orange juice. Um, The coffee is served black or Alay. So alay means it's mixed half and half with hot milk. Um, the beignets are square French style donuts and they're covered with powdered sugar. It's a true first start experience in New Orleans. Um, my recommendation don't wear black and bring cash because it is cash only. I love it. Well, after getting some authentic uh, New Orleans breakfast there at Cafe Du Monde, you know, the best way really to get out and and learn a city, especially New Orleans, is by foot. Um, So there's a a good, you know, bit of ways that you can explore it, whether it be just exploring it on your own or maybe doing a walking tour with a guide. Um, But you're going to want to get out and explore the French Quarter. Uh, Talk to me about the French Quarter for anyone that, you know, out there that might not know what that is. Absolutely. I always recommend um, any uh, an itinerary to include some free time to walk through the French Quarter. It is our 13-block by 6-block district and home to some of the oldest bars, family-run restaurants, unique shops, and um, it, you can also catch a live pop-up performance in the French Quarter at any given time. So in New Orleans, you'll find influences from the French, Spanish, Creoles, Acadians, Africans, Haitians, and many more. So back to Central Grocery, they were founded by Italian immigrants, and they um, actually invited, invented the muffalata sandwich. So it is a Sicilian um, sesame bread um, with marinated olives uh, and then cheese and charcuterie, and they make all of this in-house. Um, it's a pretty big sandwich, um, and it's it, you can actually, I can share it with three other people, but I, I don't, I'm a light eater, but it's, you know, you go in and it looks like a grocery store. So you can pick up your sandwich and then you can get, you know, bark through beer and you can uh, actually go find a place to picnic in Jackson Square or along the Mississippi River. And it's a really cool uh, dining experience to have a muffalata while you're in the French Quarter in New Orleans. And of course, you, you can't go to New Orleans and not grab some gumbo or jambalaya. Um, talk to me about the French market, which is a great place to to grab one of these dishes. Absolutely. So we have so many um, options for uh, food here in the city. And we really 
just credit that to our history um, that has led to the city to become one of the best places to eat in the world. You'll find jambalaya, crawfish, beignets, perlines, um, and of course the muffalata. We really have our own food language and um, really become a food lover's paradise. It's so many options. I sometimes recommend a progressive dining experience. So um, it, you can create your really your own uh, restaurant or bite tour. Instead of eating one full meal at one restaurant, you can break it up to three or four stops into your culinary itinerary. Yeah, and and one of those places maybe you could grab a spot a, a bite to eat is Jackson Square. It's a great place to explore and walk around. Um, what might you find at at Jackson Square? Sure. So Jackson Square is in the French Quarter, and the opposite side of the St. Louis Cathedral, which is pretty iconic. Um, if you ever see French Quarter photography, it, the St. Louis Cathedral is the oldest Catholic cathedral in the United States. And then next to uh, next to the St. Louis Cathedral are two Louisiana State Museums, the Presbyter and the Cabildo. So these two buildings were original Spanish colonial buildings. And those three buildings, uh, the Presbyterian Cabildo and the St. Louis Cathedral, they just are a true New Orleans iconic site. And um, the museums house rare artifacts of America's and Louisiana's history. Um, other than uh, the two museums, you'll find live music, you'll find artists uh, selling their artwork, you'll find um just many tourists on traffic and just enjoying the, the French Quarter and it's tons of restaurants as well. Now, if you want a really good dinner in New Orleans, there's clearly no shortage of, of great places to eat. Um, and you have some renowned restaurants like Antoine's and Broussard's. I'm seeing those. Um, but there's a couple more. Tell me about those those restaurants that you have that are, you know, top notch. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Our award winning restaurants is one of the main reasons why New Orleans is so loved. Our dining scene is definitely a reflection on the city's diverse history, culture, and our neighborhoods. Visitors can choose from our iconic restaurants, or we have many new restaurants that incorporate international influence and fun. We really are a true food lover's paradise. We've had a pretty jam-packed day, but there's one more place, you know, we got to check out before we call it a day here in new orleans um and you got to stop by bourbon street for lively music and cocktails um but you know don't be afraid to venture out a little further onto frenchman street uh which is you know a place that the locals go talk to me about bourbon street and can you give me a little bit uh, more info on frenchman street absolutely so from lulit jazz bars to booming nightclubs we we really do have it all you can dance on a balcony overlooking Bourbon Street, sing karaoke, or you could even take in a nightcap at a local jazz bar. So here, R&B, pop, reggae, blues, it really does fill the air in our streets. Um, Bourbon Street is almost, you know, absolutely necessary for a first-timer, but our, the people that do return or are true music lovers, they can venture out to Frenchman Street, which is kind of became the music cap- music capital of New Orleans. It's right outside of the French Quarter, so you can easily venture out to both areas from some really great live music. Day eight. Um, so now we're on to day number eight. This is the end of the trip, um, so we're going to depart New Orleans. 
Um, but you have the New Orleans International Airport. Uh, tell me a little bit about the Louis Armstrong uh, New Orleans International Airport. It's it's a major airport, right? Absolutely, and it's it is it is brand new. Uh, we opened last year. We completely replaced the previous facility, and God, it's beautiful. It makes me feel so grown up. Um, the one thing I love about our new airport is that the New Orleans influence and how it resonates throughout the airport. You'll find live music, local shops, local restaurants. Um, there's even there's actually even a Cafe Du Monde. Um, if you want that final beignet to take home. A big DBE thank you to Heather, Todd, Sandy, Erica, Kathy, and Two for taking the time to talk about this wonderful itinerary. Remember to check out Group Experience when planning your next trip. Their info will be in the show notes, and don't forget to give them a like on Facebook. Destinations Beyond Expectations is on Facebook as well, and you can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Wherever you listen, if you don't mind rating and reviewing the show, that's really helpful. And if you love the show, share it with a friend. Well, that's all I've got for this week. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I will talk to you soon.